Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Dramatic pause. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Dramatic Pause is a go-to for podcasters, presidents, and radio voiceovers. It makes you look really smart, even if you're not. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Choose. Light, comfy, good to go to. At Marshalls, our buyers hustle every day for the brands you love. Tell me about the leather booties. Is that crystal? Silk? At that price? You've got a deal. With great deals always in store, come in and get more of the good stuff. Marshalls, get the good stuff. The Sons of UCF Live. The Sons is the way. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strelko. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Hello, Adam. Hello, Puxatawney Mike. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day! <laughs> Again. Did uh, you uh, see your shadow? Do we have six more weeks of winter, or what is it exactly? I don't think there's a lot of science in that whole Groundhog thing. Six more weeks of Johnny Dawkins debates. Oh, no. Yeah, well, that's for sure. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Boy, starting right off with that. <laughs> right off with a bang. Here we go. Right you off with that. A little football news. Uh, we got a media release yesterday saying that there'd be a press conference today. I'm out of town for work, so I couldn't make it. And we were expecting to see head coach Gus Malzahn via Zoom. And then an advisory went out uh, this morning saying that he would not be available, which all, of course, uh, seems concerning. Two weeks since we got a statement from Coach Malzahn about his wife. Uh, so no news on that uh, for folks that are wondering. I was hoping that Coach Malzahn appearing via Zoom would have been a, a positive development for him and his family today. Yeah, all you can do, Trace, is just keep uh, keep your, your prayers in order and uh, keep thinking about the family. I, I, the same as you, thought this was a good sign. Perhaps this meant, although he wouldn't be there in person, that he had some time. He felt good about some things. You know, tough to speculate. I don't know what came up. Maybe it was an appointment with a doctor. Maybe it was something completely unrelated. Uh, but it would have been great to hear from Gus. But I know, uh, you know, the the coordinators, both Travis Williams and Chip Lindsay, filled in, did a really nice job explaining the the signing day class. But uh, again, our continued thoughts are with Gus and his family as they go through this battle. And hopefully everything turns out uh, on the good side at some point. 
Yeah, you'd like to see him on the Zoom, but really we're not missing much not having him there. I'm sure he's got much more important things to deal with right now. So um, it's okay. And it's good experience for the coordinators because, you know, one day these guys are going to be head coaches. They're going to be doing these kind of events all the time. So good for those guys. Yeah, as you just mentioned, uh, Travis Williams and Chip Lindsay, the new offensive coordinator, just been here a couple of weeks. They announced the eight transfers, names that we've heard of, uh, four on offense, four on defense to go with the 15 announced on early signing day. And then a couple of preferred walk-ons today. But boy, the early signing day has eclipsed the traditional national signing day all over the place. I thought it was interesting. I think Travis Williams uh, was the one who kind of said essentially that, you know, uh, they continue to recruit and they're even holding some, some spots open, anticipating more transfers coming after spring and into fall. So clearly, you know, you see where the, the directional compass is pointed for a lot of schools. And, you know, it's a tough call because, you know, UCF nets a, a three star preferred walk on quarterback today, you know, right here from their own backyard at Coco High School, a kid who normally would have been probably a, a guy who gets a scholarship. But that's just the way this, these dominoes are falling these days, unfortunately. So, you know, you, you'll reap some benefits, but the, the portal has changed. And, and, and T will said it best. Gus has done a great job positioning them to understand what they need and what they want to go after. Uh, and today, really only announcing eight transfers that we already kind of knew about. Um, while anticlimactic, the names that I'm popping up on screen here, on screen here, rather, I mean, you got to be excited about some of these names because obviously we're going to add a ton of talent to both sides of the ball. Yeah, and the transfer portal is going to keep adding people because just now, right before I signed in here, I noticed Auburn's number one receiver is in the transfer portal again, a different number one receiver. Speaking of Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and anytime anybody from Auburn enters the portal, you know the first person, first place you think they're going is going to be here. So, you know, we may have a whole new roster of Auburn players here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, one of the people that spoke today is tight end Camore Gamble, who uh, went to the University of Florida, was there previously. He mentioned that uh, seeing UCF uh, beat up on the Gators during the Gasparilla Bowl caught his eye uh, about UCF. So that was an interesting statement. You know, I think perhaps who stole the show uh, in the press conference, you know, that question who wins the press conference is uh, the old mistransfer, the quarterback. John Rice Plumley. Uh, he um, he certainly sends all the right vibes, doesn't he? Yeah, this kid is pretty smooth. I mean, he's going to be uh, uh, one of those soundbite guys. Uh, says a lot of the right things. You know, we were talking before we came on, Trace. I think the the uh, the word you, you used was Tebow esque mm -hmm. uh, in his delivery and his demeanor and kind of the way that he speaks. Uh, but uh, if he can't throw a football, he's not going to be at the at the podium too often. So we'll see how that pans out. But he certainly did a great job at the microphone today. Obviously, the quarterback's most important job is on the field, but you always want your quarterback to be the leader, the voice of the team, the face of the team. This guy seems like he's going to be able to do that. So a good first day for him. He talked about how running can help wear down a defense and open up other aspects of the offense. Uh, also was asked, you know, was the job uh, QB1 kind of promised to him, but he says that he is very interested, of course, in competing for this job, spoke highly of everybody in the quarterback room also indicated that he's waiting on a waiver uh, that will allow him to perhaps play for Coach Lovelady and the baseball team. So that's interesting how he's dividing up his time. Uh, but he also spoke highly, as we'll hear from him here now, about uh, his offensive coaches. Going into the transfer pool or having conversations with them again, um, obviously they're all in on me playing quarterback, and that's what they want me to do. Um, and so I'm really excited that I get the opportunity to do so under two great offensive minds, Coach Lindsay and Coach Malzahn. Mmm, that quarterback controversy. You got to love it heading into spring camp in just a couple of weeks. 
Well, I think it's, you know, interesting, you know, he obviously it switched to receiver at Ole Miss. Uh, clearly, he said in that presser that yeah, quarterback was where his heart was at. Obviously, Gus and Chip offered that same mm-hmm. opportunity for him to come play quarterback. So clearly, that's where the, the arrow is pointed in. Uh, and let's see if Gus and Chip can figure out ways to use him. You know, how does he stack up against the rest of the guys in the quarterback room? Obviously, he brings some experience to the table. Uh, but uh I mean, I think this thing is, a, is still an open race at this point. I don't, I don't know that anybody has this thing locked down. Even the, the you know, I guess the incumbent. Do we call him the incumbent, and Mikey Keen, uh, or any mm-hmm. of the new guys? It'll be interesting to see how this how this uh, breaks out. But obviously, Plumley came here for a reason. Uh, Gus and and Chip. I don't think Chip. I don't know if Chip was involved in his recruitment. I'm not sure what the timeline was on when Chip got here versus when uh, when John Rice decided. But uh, clearly, they see him as a quarterback. So I guess buckle up. We'll see what we got here. Yeah, obviously it's a two-man race right now in most people's eyes between Keen and Plumley, but don't count out these young guys. I mean, Castellanos looks like he's gonna be a player, and this kid Widner looks like I've seen him play once before. He looks good to me. So I think uh, I like the way the quarterback room's shaping up with the four guys. And uh, let's see, maybe Plumley is only gonna be here for a year, so um, he'll be able to pass the torch to one of the younger guys. Doesn't he have more eligibility than just one year? He's got more, two or three. I think um, he has two. I think he has two. two. Yeah. And by the way, so if coach if coach Mike says that he looks good, then that's all <laughs> that's all we need to know. We're prepared for spring camp. We've we've heard it. A couple of defensive guys uh, of course transferring in. We've mentioned Auburn um, defensive tackle Lee Hunter, uh, defensive end Katie McDaniel of Kentucky and as we talk a little bit about where what we're losing on the defensive line, you see some uh, opportunity that they're plugging some holes there. And uh, I asked uh, my question this week, what do you think of the offensive line in 2021? Favorable reviews, nearly 30% said excellent. Uh, 62% nearly said uh, good. Just some said fair. Some losses there, though. Uh, Big Cat and, uh, of course, Kalia Davis, uh, you know, who's thrown his hat in for the NFL as he recovers from injury. So, um, you could see that they were addressing some needs uh, in the portal. It's funny. I think before the season, we all gushed how we thought the D-line might be the most dominant position group that we had on the field. And then injuries took its toll pretty quickly. Ricky Barber goes down. Uh, Kalia Davis goes down. Uh, Traymon Morris Brash misses a couple games for disciplinary reasons. And that, that nucleus never really got settled from a D-line standpoint. But towards the end of the year, they were really humming on all cylinders. I think they were clearly the strength of the of the defense at times. I guess that in the secondary. Uh, Big Cat, while not maybe your, your traditional D-lineman, uh, stepped in played well on that uh what is he the buck position i think it's called so i think the rating of good is is appropriate in this case in this case i think that team's uh that, that unit stepped up a couple guys in particular i think keenan hester got forced into some duty and and played really well uh and so you saw some good things out of him and josh Selskar, i know this is like mike's favorite player but Selskar mm-hmm. week after week continues to to show some good things so you gotta like the youth you gotta like some of the experience if you can stay healthy you would think this is another another year Cross your fingers where this position group is a strength for UCF. Yeah, they got to a bit of a slow start early in the year. We kept asking where all the sacks were going to come from the first couple of weeks. I think if that was a little cleaned up earlier, this voting might have been excellent instead of good. But they really did pick up the slack, like you said, in the second half of the year. And that helped the secondary grow a little bit. Give them not have to uh, cover for as long with these guys getting as much pressure. Selaskar is my sleeper pick for next year's breakout player of the year. So you've already been warned on that one. 
How have you done with your breakout players of the year in the Sunny Awards? Uh, has any of that turned out? I mean, should we should we take that to the bank? Uh, your your uh, we're we're still tabulating those results, Trace. Check back, check back. The voting machines are down. I never remember who I voted for at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, and Adam never writes it down, so I really can't yeah. tell you. Yeah. Of fault. course, a uh, couple of recruits by Gus Malzahn on early signing day. You see the work that they're doing in the portal. A lot of work being done, of course, building to 2023 and what we expect will be moving into the Big 12. Going to lose uh, Big Cat. Uh, that is certainly a loss. And we know the loss uh, that we've experienced with the Knights experience we saw as fans during the 2021 season when Kalia Davis went down to injury. And he joins us now on the Sons of UCF Live. Kalia, welcome in. And congratulations on that NFL Combine invite. Uh, How you doing? How you feeling? Thank you, man. I feel great, man. I'm just out here. Um, I'm in Pensacola, Florida right now training for the Combine and stuff, rehabbing. So it it feels good. I'm getting 1% better every day. That's what I try to do. That is the right message. We saw your reaction, of course, uh, on the ESPN Plus series, Our Time. Take us back through what you remember of that play when you went down, and did you think it was as serious as it turned out to be? Um, On that play, um, I most definitely felt the pop, but, you know, I didn't really think that it was anything serious, you know, because at that time I was feeling like I was Superman, you know, but – you know, Superman has a weakness too. But <laughs> so I, when I found out, um, walking to the locker room, I, I needed help to walk to the locker room. So that was all, uh, concerning off the rip. But, you know, when I found out the next day, my MRI results, that's when it really hit me. Like, you know, so I knew at the chance, because in the ESPN show, you can see me crying, because I knew of the chance of it being a because tw- that's what they told me. I might have tore my ACL, so that right there that hurt me. But it, it hurt even more when I when it was confirmed, you know. So, Katie, we saw an unprecedented number of injuries, particularly with your position group on the D line. What does it say though about the rest of the guys who stepped up, the Keenan Hester's, the Montalvos, all those guys who stepped up and just continue to play their hearts out? Josh Shellescar, how proud of, of of those guys were you as you kind of had to watch from afar at how you saw them grow and how how well they performed? I'm very proud of those guys, man. You know, any team, you know, any team in the college football, like they were to experience what we went through last year. You know, I don't think that I feel like the best case scenario is what happened last season. Like, you know, nine win season, you know, beating Florida in the bowl game. Like hats off to those guys, man. They really played. They played for us. And I really felt like they played for me, you know, out there and, you know, Keenan, Cam, Ricky Barber, all those guys stepping up, man. I'm, I'm very proud of them, bro. You had another year. If you wanted to come back next year, you could have done that, and you could have proven to everybody the leg is fine. Did this injury have any influence on your decision to enter the draft, or was it just time for you to go anyway? Um, I, I mean, I've been at UCF for five years already. You know, COVID, COVID year is a blessing for a lot of people. But I just felt like, you know, it was my time. You know, I'm 23 years old, you know, for so – I feel like I've, you know, my game translates to the next level. So, you know, it was pretty much, you know, my my feelings on if I wanted to give it a shot or not. And I felt like that was the decision that was right for me. You posted that photo of uh, your signing day and five years later and how you may have changed a little bit. What was it like transitioning from different coaches? And, and tell us what it's like to play for uh, T-Well. 
Oh, man, it was just three different coaching staffs. It was three different, very different coaching staffs, too. You know, so I, I really got, I got love for all of them, man. You know, but um, really, it's just like, I like, I feel like with the three coaching staffs, you know, I learned a lot about defense, you know, because it's three different, total, totally different defenses. So I, I actually learned a lot about defense. So I feel like that made me a better player, you know, in playing for T-Will, like, it's just, he's just so young and energetic. Like, you know, we want to go make a play for him, you know, because he's going to go out there and run and jump and be your biggest fan on the sideline. So, you know, I real, most definitely wanted to make plays playing behind T-Will because I just know what, what was going to, um, what I was going to come back to on the sideline, just a lot of running and jumping up and screaming and stuff. So, yeah, T-Will, he's a very good defensive coordinator. Katie, obviously another change in college football has been the transfer portal, and UCF certainly has benefited from that in a lot of respects. Obviously, Big Cat was a big name, but can you talk a little bit about Ricky Barber for a second? He's a kid who uh, a lot of high hopes for him, got injured early on. I don't know if he ever really got to full strength. You saw him day in and day out in practice. How good do you think Ricky Barber can be, and what kind of year do you expect from him next season? Oh, he's next up, most definitely. I, I like him to be the leader of the defense next year. You know, so um, he's he's most definitely underrated. But I feel like what I've seen, um, you know, before the Louisville game, it was just like we it was unstoppable on the, on the inside. So, like, a healthy Ricky Barber, I feel like he's going to lead the defense next year and just be like a force in the middle. Obviously, getting healthy is probably priority number one. But what do you feel you have to improve on most between now and combine day or pro day? Well, yeah, you, you mentioned it. My my very first step, you know, my team has been talking about is just getting my knee right. They just – the NFL coaches just want to see um, the progress of my knee, you know, and just, you know, get their hands on it and just see how it's coming along. But I really um, feel like my knowledge of the game should take another step forward, you know, because I know D-line stuff. And, you know, I, I came from linebacker. I feel like I know a lot more – than um, most of the D-line in the draft, but just because I played linebacker. But, you know, just knowing coverages and stuff because we got a, um, a D-line coach at Exos. His name is Fred Robbins. He played 10 years in the NFL for uh, New York Giants and stuff. He's just He was just laying knowledge on us. He was saying, in this coverage, the quarterback wants to look at this, you know, look this way, so you want to get your hands up in this coverage. I, I didn't know any of that, so – just, you know, learning from Fred, just getting my knowledge of the game. up. I, I want to uh, focus on that and getting healthy. Where are you on your time frame here and your timetable in your recovery? Uh, I'm almost three months out. It'll be three months on um, the 15th of February. So I am I feel like I'm ahead of schedule. You know, I started um, some field work today on the grass, and it, it felt good. And you would expect to be cleared to play. What, what sort of time frame are you looking at in 2022? Mm, recovery is usually six to eight months. So I could probably be back a little sooner than that. But, you know, I'm not in any, any rush. Whenever it feels great, you know, that's when I would want to be, uh, you know, back on the field, full pads and stuff. Giddy, obviously the injury was a, was, was a tough blow, but you seem to really enjoy your time as a fan once you got injured. I saw you in the cabana for a couple games. I know you were up bouncing around talking to a bunch of fans. How much did you enjoy just being kind of a regular UCF student and just being a fan for those couple of weeks when you couldn't get on the field? 
man, it was it was awesome, man. I see why you know the bounce house is sold out almost every week, man. You know, I just always wanted to experience that before I left. You know, so um, it was it was a very good experience. I went tailgating one time with um, uh, was it? I forgot what the tailgate name was. I'm gonna think about it, but um, yeah, it was most it was a lot of hospitality, man. A, a lot of people showing love. You know, I just wanted to go into the um crowd and show love as well. You know, obviously, get into the NFL is the ultimate dream. And it really doesn't matter which team it is. But what team did you grow up rooting for? What would be the dream scenario for you? Um, I've always been a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, you know. So um, that'll be dope, you know, going to play for Tampa, and um, you know. But I really, I'm. It's a dream to even be in the conversation of, you know, being drafted in the NFL. So any team that takes a chance on me, you know, they're gonna get my hundred percent and my all. But close to home is ideal. You get your family gets to go instead of going to Seattle or something where you got to go across the country. Tampa, Jacksonville, Miami, those would be the top three, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, that would be anybody's dream scenario to play at home, you know. So, but at, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm blessed to even be here, you know. Who are your breakout guys that are coming back that you see breaking out, really making a name for themselves on this D-line in 2022? D-line? Hmm. Breakout. I would say, hmm, that is a good question. I would say, I don't know um, how y'all would judge people who already broke out, but I would say, you know, Keenan Hester. I would like him. I don't know if y'all think he broke out yet, but I see him having a monster year next year. But, you know, the yeah, Ricky Barbers and, you know, the Cam Goods, I feel like they're they're established. You know, but Keenan, I feel like, you know, he's a he's a young guy. I don't know how many years of eligibility he got, but he's a he's a fairly young guy, and I feel like he's gonna have a really good year next year. Yeah, I think he stepped in nice, KD. I mean, obviously you going out, Ricky going out for periods of time. I mean, for a young kid to step in and, and make a bunch of plays, I, I thought he played really well. One of the guys I'm interested to get your feedback on is uh, Tremont Morris Brash. Uh, it seems like whenever this kid can uh, is able to get to the quarterback, he finds a way to get to the quarterback. So you're going to go to the NFL. So this is a question I can ask you now. It's a, it's a gambling question. If I set the over-under next year for seven and a half sacks for Tremont Morris Brash, you're taking the over or the under? Um, I feel like I'm a, I'm gonna take the over on that because you know I I know we're losing some a couple of guys, but I feel like our, our D line is still you know a force to be reckoned with. You know, so I don't see I don't see many double team opportunities for um drop on the edge. So I like him one on one to at least get ten sacks next year. Can you explain to people who, who obviously don't know or don't play how much of a skill it is to be able to get to the quarterback? I mean, he's got to bend his body, go around tackles, rip moves. What kind of skill set goes into being a guy who can consistently get to the quarterback? Man, you got to be – it takes a lot of skill, especially on the end. You know, um, I don't know if y'all remember, but 2019, at the beginning of the year, I played the end. Um it was very hard to get to the quarterback. I, I moved to the three technique and the one. It, it, it got easier to get there, you know. So all on the edge, I feel like it, it's tough, man. You got to be very athletic out there, you know. So You've been a part of a lot of big moments over the last few years, a lot of huge games at home. What's your favorite home game memory? Uh, not counting this year hanging out in the cabana, but just when you're on the field, what, what was the best atmosphere, best game for you? Oh, I feel like Boise State most definitely because 
we faced a lot of adversity being down 21. I've, I don't think I've ever been down 21 in my life, you know. So, um, just that comeback win right there, that was just, you know, and just being on the sideline, seeing what type of guys we have on the team, you know, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of teams in the country would have been down, you know, would have been down and out, but we just, I didn't see anyone waver on the sideline. So that was a great game to see what type of people we had on our roster. And this is a team that faced some lows, some challenges, some adversity, injuries and the like. How did the locker room stay together? Who were the leaders that stepped up and, and how did everybody keep it together? Um, the leaders who stepped up, I feel like, um, you know, Big Cat. It was Big Cat. You know, Drop, he's very vocal. Devon Wilson, those guys and um, Bethune, Tatum Bethune, they, they stepped up and, and I feel like they kept everyone into it. You know, because it, it was very tough, you know, seeing a lot of key players go down. But, you know, it would be very easy to, you know, flinch. But I feel like those guys did a great job keeping everybody together and keeping everybody on track to the goal that we had. Katie, I try to pride myself on staying out of bad situations. And I can't think of a worse situation than being on the bottom of a fumble pile. Uh, you, as a football player, you've obviously been on a fumble pile. What's the worst thing, maybe the, the dirtiest thing you've seen happen on the bottom of a fumble pile? Okay, I'm going to take it back all the way back to high school. We were playing a team called Booker T. Washington. I recovered a fumble, and it was just, you know, when you're recovering a fumble, you just know that – it's a couple of guys that's about to fall on you. So you got to brace yourself for that, you know, make sure the the football isn't on your stomach, you know, that, that could really hurt. But at the bottom of the pile, one of the, I think it was a quarterback. He poked me in my eye. You know, so that, it's just some, it's very dangerous in the pile. You want to try to stay out of the pile as much as you, I, I would like to recover that fumble and just get up and, and just start running before everybody can fall on me. If I could go back. What what I assume you're going to be bigger than the quarterback of Booker T. Washington. What, what do you what do you say after you get poked in the eye by the quarterback on the fumble pile? Well, I was, you know, me, I was I was trying to get 15 yards out of it. I'm going to the ref. I'm like, he poked me in my eye. But I didn't I didn't get anything out of it. But, uh, you know, a very watery eye. So and I think it took me out for a quarter at least. You know, I didn't go up to him after the game and say, hey, man, what was that about? You know, we won by – I think we won by a decent amount, like 30-plus. Have Have you ever hit a quarterback so hard that you actually apologized to him after the hit, that you felt bad for how how badly you hit him? Um, No, nah, I haven't, man. I, I, <laughs> maybe I should in the future because I feel like I hit a couple quarterbacks this year very hard. But um, I didn't check up on him after the game or anything, man. I, I apologize. <laughs> All right, the big game coming up in less than two weeks, Super Bowl. Who do you got? Rams, Bengals, who are you rooting for? Who do you think is going to win? Um, I, I like an underdog story, so I'm, I'm going to have to go with Joe Burrow you know, because the Rams, you know, they beat, they beat Tampa Bay this year. So I'm a little upset with them. But, you know, I played against Joe Burrow one time, and I think it's cool that he's there in his second year. So I want the Bengals to win. Yeah, remember that Joey Connors hit. It certainly made uh, some news over the last week or so and uh, yeah. all that talk of propelling his career. Kalia, you and I have exchanged messages. You know that my nephew's uh, recovering from uh, knee surgery. He is inspired by the work you're putting in, and we wish you continued success and uh, keep working. You're showing it that uh, you're going to be a success at this next level. Thank you, man. Hey, your nephew is inspiring me as well. Like I, I love those videos you send me, man. 
and I just want him to just keep going at it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to where he's at, man. I appreciate you. Kalia Davis, we thank you for stopping by the Sons of UCF live tonight. All right, so have a good night, man. All right. Katie, Thanks, Katie are, are you going to continue the newsletter really quickly? I know you're doing a newsletter thing throughout the year. Are you going to continue that newsletter? Is that something fans can uh, can uh, maybe keep checking out from you? Yeah, most definitely. I took a break after the season, but, you know, I've, I've been focusing on rehab and stuff, but I feel like I should, it should, I should reboot it back after I get drafted. Okay. All right, well, everyone keep an eye out for Katie's Twitter. I'm sure you'll see a bunch of uh, newsletter releases. That was really cool stuff, man, throughout the year. We appreciate you putting that together. Appreciate it, man. Y'all have a great night. Thanks, Thanks Katie. Yep. Thank you. You know, until he puts out that newsletter again, Mike, I think you should work on a, maybe a weekly newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Adam and I, we started the website, and we were yeah. supposed to be putting uh, articles or whatever mm-hmm. on there. We each did one, yeah. and then it's been a year now, and maybe it's time to do a second one, but – uh, I, you know my schedule with between this and work and two kids and softball uh, guy, and the yeah. wife. Uh, here we go and training for the five k. I'm sure uh, you're going to yeah, work for the five k. Exactly. You're lucky I'm here right now. <laughs> well, KD, we uh, we wish him well. Glad that he could stop by and talk with us about his uh, recovery and the defense. Uh, you know, perhaps Mike, an article idea uh, since you all talked about. Uh, Johnny Dawkins truthers on, on your show this week and, and, the, and that crowd that's getting a little more restless. Maybe you could put together a little, maybe we do a little point counterpoint on the website. Pros, cons, weigh it out. That's okay. I'm Dawkins looking. or dock out. <laughs> no, no, that, was my, that was my idea for a segment two weeks ago. We've never, we haven't done it yet. Oh, well, that's not as profane as more <laughs> <recently. laughs> I, I proposed that and Twitter or shitter at the same exact time. And Adam chose the Twitter one. It's different to hear profanity on this program, (laughs) podcast. I don't know if there need to be parental warnings, but um, Britt, cover your ears. Um, Men's (laughs) basketball, we're on Wednesday, of course, because the men uh, wore on I-4, renewed with the cows. Of course, it didn't go well the last time, a couple weeks back in Tampa. Knights uh, just out-hustled, out-rebounded the whole night, a disaster. But uh, they hope to shake it off uh, coming off the loss. Uh, I actually thought there were moments that they played well, certainly when they cut it to to four uh, against number seven, Houston. Houston is a talented team. Um, Where do you guys stand going into this one? We say it every week, must win, obviously, rivalry game, home game. Got to beat the Cows, even this up for the year. Yeah, you can't lose to the cows again. You can't lose to them at home. Obviously, at four and five in conference, you know we can't continue to drop conference games. Um, and the cows, we owe them one now. So this this is bigger than just a tournament thing or you know a Johnny Dawkins truther thing. This is we've got to beat our little brothers here. So I, I don't throw out the records of this one. You know they they embarrassed us last time uh, we were uh, up there. And uh, we we need revenge. So uh, this one this one's got to be a, a resounding victory. That Mike said I think on the show this week. This is the basketball version right now of sixty four twelve. So we need that we need that uh, that payback, and we have a great opportunity right now. It's not like football. We got to wait a whole twelve months. Uh, we had to wait a, a total of like three weeks. So I, I, I definitely need to see them come out and uh, and give it to the cows for sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter if we're undefeated right now or we haven't won a game. This these two games every year are the ones you circle. They're rivalry games. They already got us once. We cannot lose both games to these guys at that home. And if you're putting it in perspective of the season, it is a must win. You can't go to four and six in this conference and think you're going anywhere. Now, we get asked a question in the mailbag about how you see the record playing out. 
after this Thursday game on the road at Memphis. You know, that is a place that UCF has not played well in uh, over the years. Of course, they beat the Tigers a couple of weeks back at home, and then they host Wichita State with that great time period of 9 o'clock, uh, tip time, 9 o'clock on, on a Tuesday night. Uh, so those are coming up. Doesn't get any easier. Big statistic uh, that my takeaway from that game in Tampa was not the 75-51 loss. It was the out-rebounded 53-26. And Coach Dawkins asked during his media availability this week, what needs to improve uh, for the uh, game on Thursday? Well, rebound the basketball. And it's got to be something we have to really concentrate on. I mean, they, they doubled us up in rebounding, which means that was a tremendous effort by them. We have to do a lot better job of, of rebounding the ball on both ends of the floor. All right, let us ask B.J. Taylor, who stops by Suns Live now, his thoughts. B.J., welcome in this evening. Let's go back. You and I exchanged messages. You were at the game. I thought they played pretty well for good parts of that game against Houston. Yeah, no, uh, I'm with you. You know, good to see you guys. Adam, Trace, Mike, especially good to see you, brother. Um, but, yeah, no, Houston is a very good basketball team, to say the least. I mean, I know that's – it's a pretty obvious statement, but sometimes we all have to be reminded why Houston is on a double-digit game win streak, why they are now 19-2, and two, why this is the team that made the Final Four last year, um, and why Coach Coach Kelvin Sampson is one of the best coaches in college basketball. And whenever an NBA job opens, he's always one of the guys that they consider. So, yeah, Houston played really well. Um, and like you said, we played well for stretches, but that's kind of the, the challenge when you're playing really good teams, right? Again, you kind of see it in all sports. But you can play really well for, for stretches, but when you're an elite basketball team like Houston is, you play well for 40 minutes. You play well for at least 38, 37 minutes, right? They don't make a lot of mental errors. They don't make a lot of, of self-enforced and self-inflicted mistakes. And, you know, I think playing against them, it was a lot that our guys can learn and, and kind of see what it's like to be one of the best, you know, college basketball teams in the country. BJ, uh, for obviously uh, any any team, right? It's a make miss league, right? You you shoot well, you're gonna you're gonna score. But one thing that we had talked about a few shows back was the effort, the energy. What did you think, at least, of the effort and energy? Obviously, two point Houston, a really good team, number seven in the nation for a reason. How did you how did you think UCF came out just from an energy effort perspective on that game? Well, I think we came out strong, right? I mean, Darren came out and made the three threes early. I think we were hyped up, ready to go. Great atmosphere, great turnout by the you know by Night Nation. Um, so I think the energy was there to start, but again, it's sort of the sustaining it. It's sort of the keeping it going is the, that was the issue, right? Houston came out not as strong as they wanted to, but they were poised. They didn't get rattled. They did. They, they weren't concerned about us jumping out to an early lead. They just kind of, you know, clawed their way right back into it. So for our guys, you know, you, you kind of see the physicality, the toughness, those sort of things you have to bring to the table to match a team like Houston, because Houston's going to be and has a chance to make the Sweet 16 and make another Elite Eight run. So I think for for our guys, sustaining that level and, and sort of seeing what you have to bring to the table to compete against teams like that is the main takeaway for us moving forward for the rest of conference play. Yeah, obviously we got to put that one behind us. So it's gone now. It's rivalry week. We got the cows again. They beat us up really bad the first time. What has to change going into this game? Yeah, well, we got us. We can't. We can't let them them bully us on the boards. They they bullied us on the boards. No pun intended with the bull. Uh, 
but they did. They they had 20 offensive rebounds. They came out at home, played really well. So for our guys, we ha- they have to match that that intensity level, right? Because USF is going to have the same game plan that they had last time. They're going to say, "Listen, we're not really good shooters. We're not actually that talented of of ball players, but we can hustle. We can rebound our misses, and we can put it back up, right?" So for our guys, they they have to come with a mindset that says, "Listen." we know what the scouting report is on us. We know what other teams are going to try to do, right? It, it, it's not, it's not, it's really not rocket science, right? Like we're going to just try to offensive rebound against us and put the ball back in the hoop. It doesn't take a ton of skill to do that. So that's what USF is going to do. And our guys have to have to match, you know, have to, have to kind of take that personally, right? You have to take that sort of thing and be like, you're not just going to bully us under the rim. You're not going to push us around. Uh, so like you said, tomorrow night rivalry game, and we'll see how it goes. It's in our house. It's in our house. So we, we should we should come out with a sense of pride in protecting that place. Uh, put on your coaching hat for a second here. When Brandon Mahan is not hitting that three, what would you do with him? Yeah, I think for Brandon, he's an interesting he's an interesting player, right? Because the thing he does best is make off the dribble contested shots, right? And that's not something that's very common, right? Most players you want to make open shots. You want to get good looks. You're really good at creating space so that you can get to the rim or something like that, right? The, the, the thing he does best is, is is it's different. You know, it's like you put the ball in his hands and he makes difficult shots. So when, he, when he's missing, it doesn't look very good, right? Because the shots aren't, you know, great shots. But when he's hitting them, you know, nobody complains, right? When he made them against Michigan, we didn't we didn't have any issues with it. When he made them against uh, ECU to help us come back, we didn't have issues with him, right? So for, for a guy like Brandon, because he is the best scorer we have off the bounce, at, at this point, you kind of have to figure out ways to try to get him going. Because when he gets it going, we win. I mean, the games we've won, he's usually been pretty successful. So, I mean, it's, a, it's at this point, it's figuring out a way to try to, to get the best out of him, really. One of the guys who came in new this year, BJ, was was Bakke, uh, b- big guy down low. How would you assess how UCF's used him so far? And would you like to see them do anything different with him, either getting him more touches in the post or getting him involved pick and rolls? How would you assess so far the, the play of Bakke and how Johnny Dawkins has used him? Yeah, well, Adam, I'm really happy that you asked me about Bakke because he doesn't get enough love and attention. And, and I'm one of Mbake's biggest fans. I think that young man is exceptional. I think you can win a lot of games with a center like him. He has a, he has a great head on his shoulders in terms of he doesn't complain. He, he he plays his role. He brings energy and effort to the court every night. You know, the, the only thing we ever see him do is wag his finger after after a block yeah. shot. Right, that's the only time we ever see him do anything to bring attention to himself. But Mbake is he he really has been great. I mean, like I said, he's he's not the biggest center. He's not the tallest center, but I, I think the biggest thing for him is that he he's a guy who's just going to play his role, Adam. I mean, he he doesn't really get out of his lane or try to expand it to other things, right? Because he knows he knows he's not a, a, a feed the post one on one player, right? He knows he's not a step out three point shooter, so he's really just a great you know cog in the system. But I'm telling you, if you have a guy like Mbaki on your team at center, like I would have, I would love to have had Mbaki on our teams back in the day to go along with a Taco and a Chad and a Colin, just because he's a guy who's going to come in, set good picks, rebound at him. I mean, Mbaki, he's he's great, and I think for his future moving forward, it's going to serve him really well in his professional career because he's just he's such a low maintenance guy, Adam. 
we're about 20 games into the season. We're still seeing some mix around with the the uh, rotations and things. Is there anybody you think that has earned more minutes that is not really getting the minutes that you think they deserve so far? Uh, no, nah, Adam, I think at this point, I think we, we, we've got to try to find some consistency with, with who's going to, to play well, right? And like you said, 20 games within the season, you would hope that you would, you would kind of have those things, um, you know, kind of ironed out. But, I mean, I, I think the, the rotation that we've had in the games we've been successful is obviously something that you look, you look to um, and, and really just trying to, to get the best out of the guys. Uh, I mean, like like I said last week, we play about ten guys most of the time, so everybody gets an opportunity to show what they can do. Uh, I do like having Mbaka and CJ in there just because they're both physical. They're both going to play hard. Like I said, a couple low maintenance guys, um, but when it comes to you know the 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 guard play, I think that we just have to find someone who's going to step up and bring that leadership, right? I mean, it can't it can't be overstated what leadership does for a ball club and what it really can do for a team, right? And like I said, I don't I don't like to reflect on the things that I did a ton, but as much as I was able to perform on the court and, and make shots and and do things with the basketball, that was all great. But I, I always like to believe that my impact was just as equally important in the intangible side, right? In terms of leadership, being good for the culture, being a guy who was going to tell guys, you know, what we weren't doing and just, you know, kind of being a leader. I mean, it's just plain simple, being a leader and, and, and holding guys accountable for what they needed to do because when the coaches always have to do it, players aren't going to respond to that, right? So I was always going to step up and say something as a player and as one of our more impactful players to try to get that that going, um, to kind of take your your question a different way there, Mike. You know, I know you always have the nice, hard-hitting questions, but... <laughs> Tyam Freeman was that the guy I was looking for. <laughs> you, you, looking, you need to ask, then just say that. <laughs> I, I wanted to see if you were thinking want, the same as me. Listen, Mike, next week I want you to say, listen, I want Ty in the game more. What do you think about that? That's all. I, that's what I need. He got, all right, he had three minutes against Houston, and I thought he did well in those three minutes. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of him. What he has you? potential. He has potential. I, I think the thing with Ty against a Houston is... Houston's a physical ball club, Adam. I mean that. That I mean, Mike, my fault. That's a that's a physical team, and he's a young player, and he's got a lot of potential. He's got a he's got a solid skill set on him. Uh, but I think the thing with those guys are, I mean, they're playing you know grown men NCAA basketball out there, and I think for Ty, he has to continue to grow and kind of get to the point where coaches can trust him, you know, in those situations. Last week, uh, Adam asked what it's like to play in a place like Wichita State. Let me ask you that about Memphis. How do you adjust to NBA sight lines and such? Yeah, Houston is a Houston is a tough place to play, uh, especially when they're successful. I know this year they've kind of been on this roller coaster, but a Saturday night in Memphis at the FedEx Forum, I, I would expect that place to be to be pretty packed. Um, our guys are going to be coming off a quick Thursday night turnaround. The only good thing that we, you know, one of the good things we have going for us is that Memphis is playing in Cincinnati. So they're going to have to come home and then play Saturday night as well. So at, at least that's, that's a good thing. But yeah, Memphis is going to be, it's going to be rocking. It's going to be a, a tough place to play. And our guys are really going to have to come out 
and, and start fast, right? When you're on the road, you want to start fast to try to take the crowd out of it because if, if things get going, you know, one way from Memphis and they start front running and they, you know, Penny's over there clapping his hands, you know, doing doing whatever, it, it, it can get difficult, right? So I think our guys are going to have to come out and start fast um, in that Memphis game to try to take the, the crowd out of it. BJ, we just had Khalid Davis from the football team on, and Mike asked him this question. I'll ask you the same. What's the craziest environment you ever played in? What's the craziest arena, maybe the craziest home atmosphere that you were, you were ever a part of? Yeah, it was Illinois State's hands down. Um, the first year Coach Dawkins came, then we played them in the, the the Sweet 16 game of the NIT up there in Illinois State, and it was they had like four seniors, and, and they were a team who everybody – to make the NCAA tournament because they should have won the conference tournament, but they have they have a, actually like a pretty big gym and they filled it up to capacity. Everybody was wearing red. Uh, they threw beer on the refs. They, <laughs> they threw stuff on the court. At one point, the clock went out. We had the ball and the clock went out, and then the clock came back on. And Illinois State had an extra point. It didn't. It did. You know, they were doing all types of stuff there. But but I, I would say Illinois State for sure. Um, Obviously, Duke at, in the NCAA tournament was a good atmosphere. It's just that, you know, NCAA tournament games aren't either team's home game. So that's a little bit different. Uh, but, yeah, Illinois State is always a great atmosphere. Wichita State, especially back when they were rolling with, with Greg Marshall and, and Landry Shaman and some of the players they had, was always an incredible atmosphere. Um, and then our, our, our atmosphere, the, the night we, we hosted Illinois in the NIT after we beat Illinois State was, was incredible. So those, that's probably my top three right there, Illinois State, Wichita State, and then um, our home game against Illinois was, was incredible. They recognized a lot of the former players this past week at the game. I saw you out there having some fun with the guys. How, how, how cool was that to get to see all the old guys? And Did you know everybody or some of those guys you guys just got to meet for the first time? No, Mike, I I didn't. I, I don't, <laughs> you know all the old guys? Mostly new. I mean, listen, my, my, my night history doesn't go back to Calvin. To I, don't, I didn't know Calvin like that, but I heard he was awesome. I heard Calvin was great. So it was great to meet him and, you know, talk to the guys and, you know, kind of hear their stories of what UCF used to be, the, you know, the Golden Knights and how they play in the venue and, and all these different things. But the one thing I'll say about all those guys is that they have a tremendous tremendous love, care, and, and deep passion for, for UCF, right? And that, that's the thing we all share. So it was really awesome to, you know, talk to those guys. And it was really great by whoever got that together. I didn't even know what was going on, to be honest with you. I was just going to the game, and they told me to go out there. So I was like, I'll go out there. And, you know, I like that court, so I'll go. <laughs> you were informally invited? I, don't, I didn't listen. I'm not always checking my emails the way I should, as diligently as I should. So they say they sent me an email and I didn't get it. But it all worked out, Mike. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes things just come together, right? And right you know, place at the right time. It's like definitely right place at the right time. That's how I describe it. Thank you as well for uh, saying hello to Jan and Britt uh, at the game on uh, Saturday. What's the latest on skills training and, and how busy you've been with that? Skills training is uh, is going well. Like I said, I'm still relatively busy with it. Uh, I've been getting into some other stuff with, with radio and, and some TV opportunities. So uh, I'm looking forward to that foreshadowing you might catch me on a UCF call for the basketball team here soon so just stay tuned and then hopefully we can hopefully we can have a, a couple former alums doing TV with they add me along with Michael Donald all right BJ awesome. Taylor we thank you for 
being with us again on That's Suns Live. And let's get that victory Thursday against the Cows. Thanks, PJ. All right. Hey, guys, 40-plus minutes of good Wi-Fi in my hotel. Eh, starting to weaken a little bit. This is uh, the Suns of so, UCF you know. formula, Trace. We, we go strong for about 30 minutes off the rails for whatever's left of the show. Don't worry. I got us so, covered. Uh, you, you guys both drop to. off. I, I'll uh, fill in with some <laughs> individual <laughs> content like last night. Uh, women's basketball, uh, they continue to roll. They beat Temple. Massini Cobble with 21 points, Destiny Thomas with 18. They are 15 and three overall, seven and one in the AAC. Diamond Battles, AAC Player of the Week. We get asked about her in the mailbag. Up next, Memphis Saturday at two, then at Houston Wednesday. And softball, we're just a little over a week away until they open at home against 12th ranked Georgia. Uh, if you count up all the votes, they're 26th in the preseason poll, just one out of the top 25. So. Uh, good luck to uh, softball coming fast at you in about a week or so. Let's open that mailbag. I understand, Adam, that we've got some, uh, some as I like to call it in the TV biz, some SOTs, some sound on tape. This guy. Yeah, we got two uh, two video questions this week. The first is more of a group question. Uh, it comes courtesy of our friend, the Nidalorian. What's up, sons of UCF? This is the whole Twitter mafia out here at the bounce house tonight. We're out here before the basketball game against Houston. We're here to ask you, what's your favorite UCF Twitter mafia moment? Give us a top five list. As always, go Knights. That's a lot of people walking and talking inside that stadium. It's a, you've started a movement, Trace. They want a top five list. This is obviously Mike's, uh, Mike's lane here. I don't have a top five. I'm just going to say this. I know I can count on anytime there's a UCF related tweet that you're going to see a nitro fire gif emoji in their comments, book it death taxes, fire nitro every single time. And I love you people for it because there's not a missed opportunity out there. We're literally batting a thousand on that. So I don't care what the moment is nitro fire. You can always count on it. So whoever does that, all of you do that. Uh, that's a, that's a fantastic little uh, uh, night nation Twitter mafia kind of thing. So I'm good with that. Yeah, I don't know if I can come up with five, but just the way they fight for that national championship claim that we've been doing for years, and every time somebody makes a joke about it, the Twitter mafia is all over it. Thousands of responses, uh, putting people in their place. So it's strong, man. That that group is strong. I guess we're part of that. I mean, we're on Twitter. We're, we're part of UCF. I don't know if I respond to nearly as much. as Some people, you can't say anything about UCF without them just getting all triggered and bent out of shape. So. I don't take it as seriously as them, but uh, good for them. I will say honorable mention, J.P. Gilbert has found a lane. Anytime someone enters the transfer portal, you can get the Gus Malzahn smiling on the airplane picture like in, instantly in return. So J.P. Gilbert does a great job with the uh, the Gus uh, memes and pictures as well. Cost seg advisor as well, and my term for it would be the Twitter mafia is unrelenting. You're not going to mm -hmm. get anything by them. Don't say anything factually inaccurate. You're going to get called on it. Do we have another celebrity we do this week? We do. Our friend Robert, uh, once again, uh, best guest booker on the show. I'm going to say it right now, guys. It's, it's the truth. Uh, last week, he brought us Jordan Johnson. This week, he brings us another guy that probably maybe even a little bit more name worthy than Jordan Johnson. Here's our celebrity guest question. What's good, Night Nation? AK here. I got a question on behalf of my guy. Two letter, two words. If you can have only one feature back on your team, what would it be? A speedster or a bruiser? Let me know. 
that's a pretty good cameo right there. Adrian Killens. Uh, so not just because he asked the question, although I don't think he's watching now anyway, but I'm going to go Speedstorm. Like nothing, nothing for me was more exciting than when you knew AK was going to get the ball and there was just a little bit of daylight. Everyone assumed he was going however many yards were away from the end zone. Uh, so give me that guy. As much as I love Bowser knocking dudes over and getting three yards and moving chains, when AK got the ball and there was just a glimmer of hope, I don't care who you were, you stood up on your seat, you got to the edge of your your chair because you thought he could take it to the house so give me that kind of game breaking speed like ak had yeah he could do it from anywhere and we've seen him at michigan what was it about 87 yards the yeah. game against memphis when he went what 96 yards 94 yards something like that incredible and nobody could catch that guy so we do miss that we have that with o'keefe you know and we use it with o'keefe we, we, we hand him the ball we throw it to him deep so we're not missing we have that and we have bowser we have i like the mix that we have you make me pick one Traditionally, I go with the bruiser, but since AK asked the question, I'll go with the speedster today. Put me down for speedster uh, at eBell90. Early signing day, he's saying uh, the early signing day hall seems a little bit low. Uh, how do you evaluate what you saw from early signing day and the transfer portal at this point? Uh, check back at the end of the year with the record, right? I mean, that's really how you have to evaluate these things these days because classes are going to be so disjointed with double signing days now with transfer portal and multiple windows for, for guys to transfer in. So I, I don't even know how you're equating a signing class. I thought it was interesting. UCF put out their signing day graphic today and it was both high school recruits and it was the transfers all kind of in one package, little, uh, little graphic there. So I think they've, they've done a great job filling positions of need, particularly with the portal, but I I don't know that we ever really know how well these things play out. The only, I guess, good thing with the transfer portal is we're finding it out sooner because some of these guys only have one year of eligibility left. So you're, you're finding like a big cat. You're finding that out sooner. So while it seems light, I feel like they went for the right guys in the right spots. So I'm, I'm okay with the numbers as long as the productivity is there. Yeah. Today's signing day has lost all its luster because of the early signing day and the transfer portal. And it's going to keep continuing throughout the summer. So we can add another five guys between now and the time camp opens. So I'm not worried about the number of commits right now. Uh, I'm sure the roster is going to be full. We're not going to have just scholarships sitting on the table, not being able to give out the guys. They're going to get filled. They're going to get filled with quality players. Uh, Scott S. Morrow, predictions on final record for men's hoop. Schedule not easy. Let me uh, roll through that real quick, guys. Uh, South Florida at Memphis, Wichita State. Tulsa home at Houston, ECU, Cincinnati at Tulane at Tulsa. What do you got? Can they do five and four? Well, I'm going to answer using his uh, his question, Trace. The, the second part of it is he said it's not an easy schedule. Uh, he sees seven or eight more wins depending upon which team shows up. And that's the biggest thing to this question is if we're going to get a team that's going to show up like the day against Michigan, uh, going to show up against like uh, you know some of the or Miami game earlier in the year, then I feel really good about coming out with six, seven wins, right? I think that's a doable task. But if you get a team that showed up against the Cows, you get a team that sleepwalked through the early part of ECU. Even Houston, I'll give them a pass on that good team. But Wichita State, another game that we weren't really ever able to maintain. So I don't know what team we're going to get. So based on that math alone, I'm going to go five just because I'm going to go law of averages and say we're going to toss in a couple of these sleeper games because we've done that pretty much every third or fourth game at this point. So I hope I'm wrong. But until we know what team we're going to get, I don't know that I can say we're going to get six, seven, eight wins. Well, five and four would put us at 500 in conference play, right? And we finished uh, 10 and 10, something like that. So, um, 
you know, it is what it is at this point. You just got to take it one game at a time. Just like at football, we always talk about one going and one and oh. One and oh, here we go. And, and it starts tomorrow night. That's it. Mike Heupel is here. <laughs> the, the team definitely can't look at it, you know, as a seven game, nine game stretch. And as fans, we're going to have to start looking at it one at a time too. Just tomorrow night. And then after tomorrow is done, we'll look this Saturday. Cost-seg advisor saying Big 12 going to be exciting. He thinks UCF's exposure will lead to improved talent levels and they're going to be able to play in the league. It's going to take a big step up in recruiting for Coach Dawkins and his staff to compete in that Big 12. Yeah, this is what has me concerned. We talked about this on the show uh, this week. Uh, th this was the team. This was the year, Trace. I think you had the stat early on. 97% of our points returned this year from the previous year. So you would have thought that this would have been the year with all the veteran talent coming back, all of the guys who knew Johnny's system. This would be the year that we'd springboard. Again, to Mike's point, it is what it is. We'll figure that out. But next year, we get significantly younger. So, you know, what can we do with that team? And are we able to infuse enough talent to bring that together? I think that's the challenging part about it. I think Kostek is right. You're going to continue to get recruits and you're going to be playing in these big gyms and maybe you're going to get in some more living rooms and get some kids. But I think next year is going to be really interesting on the what we assume is the doorstep year into the Big 12. Can we compete? Can we uh, can we play well? But I mean, it's going to be a young team next year. And does, do we have the horses? Can we get the horses in to get in there and compete right away? Uh, jury's still out for me on that one. Yeah, we're going to have to utilize the transfer portal there too to get some experience on this team. And that's not easy in basketball because you know, and we've seen it the last few years, these guys need time to gel. They need uh, at least a 10 games to start getting things rolling. And now look, it's already been 20 and it still doesn't seem like we've figured it completely out. That's it. You got me, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked by Mike's words too, Trace. I don't know if you are. He must be. I don't know if he can hear. He Trace must not hear speechless. his mic. He is speechless. Mike has rendered him speechless. He's looking right at us, though, which is awkward. Yeah. He sees our mouse moving, yes? Trace, raise no? your hand if you can hear us. He does not hear us. He does not hear us. He smiled and he's gone. He's smiling through that mic. The next one up was uh, this is at Bolts Knight wants to know how close is the women's basketball team to being a lock for the tournament? Or do we think they're basically in already? Kind of like Trace is back in the show right now. Trace, the women's basketball team lock for the tournament. Yeah, the if you've got me back, Wi-Fi is going a little wonky here at my hotel in Tallahassee. I think the women's basketball team is uh, at least an at large. I think it's a lock. And they're going to still have an opportunity to win the AAC. They got a battle with the the cows coming down the stretch here. So uh, they play really good defense. They're going to be in it every game. Uh, I think they're a lock for at least an at large. It gets a little tricky because you know a, a team can surprise somebody and win the conference tournament. All of a sudden, that takes a bit away from the league. Um, it's not like we've been blowing teams out. We're winning, yes, and we're seven and one in conference. We've had a lot of close games recently. Um, we have to, I think, have to keep continuing. I don't think we're a lock of anything right now. If we keep it up and keep the playing like we have been, we'll find ourselves in the tournament. But nothing's guaranteed. We still have a few games to go. Uh, Robert, two letters, two words. He's asking about NIL deals, all that are happening. How has Diamond Battles uh, not gotten one? Charismatic, winning team, quality athlete, heck of a name. Why not yet? Uh, first off, Robert wins the comments of the night there. That's a good one. Nothing works in Tallahassee. Um, that's a great question. I mean, I think I, I think I read the Athletic had an article. I could be wrong on this, where the average NIL athlete was earning fifty dollars or something like that on a deal. 
so I'm curious to figure out, has the NIL bubble burst? Is this really just something that, uh, that, uh, that captures some of the bigger name players, but you would think that diamond battles, there's some easy, you know, marketing tie-ins there. I'm not sure if Zales jewelers is still a thing, right? That's, that feels like an option, you know, a place where you throw axes maybe for, for her last name, you would think with her personality, she could grab a deal or two, but I'm not sure how the NIL thing is really kind of playing out. I'd love more data and research on really where people are winning at this uh, and what the benefits have been. Um, but uh, you would think somebody like that in a hypersensitive market like UCF that we'd have some options there. Yeah, obviously you, the $50 is averaged out after a quarterback in Alabama gets a million for every one of those guys, there's thousands of guys that are getting nothing. So that's where that 50 bucks comes from. And it's going to be hard as a women's basketball player, especially at a school like UCF where, I mean, there's, 20 people at those games. <laughs> that, it's not like we're selling out the arena for those games. Uh, it's going to be hard to scrape up uh, an IL deal. It's not like she's playing at Connecticut or Tennessee, one of these places where maybe the women will get more chances like that. A couple of questions related to the uh, Gators FSU series moving from Saturday to Black Friday at Carroll 1024. What do you think about that? And uh, my buddy Manny Amore is saying, should Miami follow suit and schedule FAU and FIU for a state triple header? <laughs> on that Friday. I think what it also signifies is that we're coming to the end of that uh, UCF war on I-4 rivalry too. Yeah, I like the uh, the uh, uh, UF-FSU game. It reminds me of, of my high school days where the JV game was before the varsity game, right? So you play the JV game with FSU-UF and the varsity game with uh, UCF and the Cows. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that, that game has fallen in the last few years to like on ESPN plus now it, it used to be a marquee ABC game, CBS game and three thirty, And now it's nothing. It's a noon game. And I had to move it to a Friday night just to kind of give it a little more juice. Well, let's uh, wrap it up with this from sublime underscore night today announcement that the cows are going to be adding women's beach volleyball, which I give them credit for that addition. He's asking uh, which men's and women's sports would you like to see added swimming lacrosse beach volleyball? I think beach volleyball would be one, but we've also talked about track. And I think, Mike, you mentioned lacrosse recently. Yeah, I mean, lacrosse seems to be a growing sport, especially down here in the south. I know it's huge up north, but I've seen people playing down here at the parks all the time. So I think that'd be interesting. But I think you'd probably have to add a women's sport, if anything, next. And beach volleyball seems like a fun one. Yeah, I'd be pro beach volleyball. It's an Olympic sport right now. It's a, it's got a lot of momentum. Uh, I think we talked last week about swimming. I think Florida's a, a state where the, the UF program has a, a pretty relatively good swimming program. Uh, but I think beach volleyball is interesting. I think that'd be a fun one. It's a outdoor sport. It's a, it's perfect for the Florida weather. Uh, I mean, volleyball players, especially on the beach, running in sand, jumping, uh, especially if it's, if it's, it's two V two, there's a ton of athleticism involved in that. So I think you'd find some really good athletes there. So I'd be pro volleyball on that one. I could, I could get behind that adam let me ask you this uh, if you missed the pod this week is it better to listen to the audio or to watch the video on the sun's youtube channel man i don't even really know i mean listen we tried something new this week uh we typically just do those via audio but we recorded it uh that's the first time mike and i have ever actually looked at each other during a podcast he kept staring at me which was awkward uh and so we were waiting for a guest that never materialized it's all good fun look it's not our best effort but uh we have some entertaining moments in there mike goes solo for a period of time you don't want to miss that uh so some good stuff in there i say watch the video because you may never see another one again this may be the one and only sun's of UCF podcast video. So get it while you can, friends. <laughs> People can't get enough of us on these shows. Look at us. <laughs> now we're doing two live shows a week. 
um yeah it's only live but yeah well you know what i mean video shows anyway so yeah. <laughs> what, are, what about a live pod how about a live pod i mean we, the way we did it last night we could have just put it live at the same time it's possible we've done twitter spaces before a couple times so um why not I like it. I like it, guys. All right. Never Wonky internet here in Tallahassee. I will be back in Orlando at the UCF game for Thursday night. I want to thank Kalia Davis, BJ Taylor for joining us. Of course, you, Adam, Mike, it has been enjoyable as always. Thanks for bearing with me on some internet issues up here in Tallahassee. And I look forward to seeing you back on Suns Live next Thursday. Trace, travel safe, my friend. Always a pleasure. Everybody have a fantastic week. Uh, let's go, Knights. Let's crush the cows. Go Knights. Charge on. Down. Go Knights. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Change your vehicle's oil before your summer road trip and save money now with Pennzoil and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic for just $22.95 after mail-in rebate. Save money and protect your engine against sludge and wear with the synthetic oil change. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today or O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.